0: This is a Sunday talk by Todd Corbett titled "Investigating Mind," recorded July thirteenth, two thousand and fourteen, at the Center for Sacred Sciences in Eugene, Oregon. Well, hello, everybody.
1: <laughs>
0: this morning I have a little um, prepared talk, and. I gave a talk a few weeks ago, and I got a lot of feedback that um, it was appreciated, and I thought I would try to go a little deeper with what I did the last time, see if we can kind of get everybody awake before the end of the hour. I have set my sights high, but nevertheless, we'll see what we can do. I wanted to share a quote from the great Hindu Shankara. He says, Brahman is pure, absolute consciousness. But this universe, which is superimposed upon Brahman, is nothing but a name. So he's saying that everything that we see is just this one Brahman. And the only reason that we see things is because we have named them such. So, in our experience, in the world of not seeing Brahman, in the world of what he would consider delusion, we have a deep, deep belief. And it is the belief that the world... And experience is divided into two parts. The self, the one who sees, the one who knows, and there is the world, that which is seen and that which is known. And although it seems true, it isn't. It isn't true. But we don't know that. We believe that it is true. We believe this. It is experienced by most human beings that we live in this dualistic world, the world of me, subject, and object. It is unquestionable that we are separate in this world. It is not even discussed in most circles. Duality arises as as an error in perception. Consciousness, Brahman, the great Brahman made an error. (laughs) An error in perception. But from Brahman's point of view, everything that consciousness creates is what consciousness wants. Because consciousness wants to know itself. And this is anthropomorphizing just a little bit, but nevertheless, it is the nature of consciousness to dream. But in the dream we have dream characters that arise. And these dream characters, if they are really caught up in the dream, suddenly may become deluded and believe that they are actually something other than the consciousness that they truly are. And so forgetting their true identity suddenly fear arises and the advent of fear, striving, begins. Striving is the movement to be separate, to protect oneself. Once we become separate, then the movement is to protect it. But really, all that would be needed would just be to take a step back and look Oh. It's all consciousness. That's what I am. But this is not what the character does. The character moves ahead, starts to struggle, and suddenly there is a convoluted layer of beliefs, one upon another upon another. And these beliefs become the story of I, the, the story of the individual's separate self and the world is out there. The thing about separateness, too, is that we are afraid, then, to go back to consciousness. To actually go back would mean that we, our new identity, would have to be surrendered, and we're just not into that. It's scary, so we don't want to do that. Here we are. We feel this sense of isolation. We feel vulnerable. And though we want to go home, there's no way back. So we live in these beliefs. We live in them until we become uncomfortable with them. And then we reach for something else. But usually what we reach for is another set of beliefs. We do this for a while. We can go from one set to another set. We can reinvent ourselves over and over We go to religion, and even religion is just belief. But the religions, all religions, come from a mystical core. And if we go deeply into religion, we begin to find something useful. And that which is useful is perfectly captured in this quote by Buddhist monk Walpola Ruhola, who tells us, in Buddhism, emphasis is laid on seeing, knowing, understanding, and not on faith or belief. The question of belief arises when there is no seeing. And this seeing is, in every sense of the word, seeing. Seeing everything as it is. The moment you see the question of belief disappears. So that's the key. That's the key. And it's it's captured in in the little meditation that we did at the beginning. Right there. Bringing our attention into immediate experience. So in order to recognize what Shankara was talking about, we need to bring attention into our experience. Not a superficial attention, but one that is present right now, that is not captivated by thought, imagination, stories, and primarily by all of the cravings and resistances of the story of who we think we are. And in this process of looking, there is a sublime surrendering that begins to take place organically. Here we, we begin to turn our attention into things that we don't particularly like. This is very important. If there is an emotion that we resist and we keep turning away from it, we never actually see it for what it truly is. We always create this division between ourselves and what is considered to be other than ourselves whenever we turn away from anything that we fear or that we loathe or that we just don't like. Even boredom, trying to fill the boredom, becomes an obstacle. So when we feel bored, we just allow boredom to be there what is this? What am I running from? We want to see all of our experiences in the same way bringing attention right here. Recognize in our direct, immediate experience what is taking place. Now, there are lots and lots of stories that have been laid down and we believe them fully And because of the belief in them, we can't relinquish them. I mean, we could say, well, yeah, okay, I want to believe what Shankar is talking about, but it doesn't do us any good to believe it. We have to see it. We have to recognize it. So I'm going to bring up this one particular (laughs) conventional belief that we hold that is essentially something you cannot do. It's the belief in the visual medical map. You know, we go to the eye doctor, we get glasses. We go to the neurosurgeon, they fix things in the brain. How do they do that if it's all just consciousness? It just doesn't make any sense. And that's because we're thinking about it. The point is, this map, Is a useful map. It's a very useful map. In fact, the room, it's a wonderfully, look at it. It's a a map, it's perception. There's nothing wrong with perception, and there's nothing wrong with our conventional stories. And clearly, in the case of the medical visual map, it's very useful. Our problem is that we hold it to be the truth. And I'm going to try to make the distinction here so that you can see what we're talking about. Now, first of all, let's look at this map that is used by neurosurgeons and ophthalmologists. In this model, images come in through the lens of the eyeball. And they go to the back of the eyeball, onto the retina, and there the image is turned upside down. And then the image passes through these things they call tracts, and it goes back to the lateral geniculate bodies of the thalamus on either side, and then from the thalamus where there's an intricate network of, of like a switchboard, it is then sent back to the occipital lobe, and we see... <laughs> That's it. That's the map. And from this map though, if you look at the detail, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's like any map. Yeah, a good map. It's very precise. It's got everything laid out, labeled, and it's got meanings to the labels. And there's there's, you know, volumes written about it. It's very useful. But if you look at this model closely, you will see there is something about it that is not mentioned. And this is often the case with many of our beliefs. There's something that's just overlooked. And that is, Through this model, we never actually see anything outside of ourselves. We have no experience of this. What you are looking at is the brain and something the brain is doing, it is taking an image, it's like a video. The only thing is, we have no real contact with anything outside of that brain. And so, in other words, our entire world is experienced inside of ourselves. If you just take that that map and follow through with it, you will see what the mystics have been saying all along. It is all arising inside of you. And you can't really verify anything outside of yourself. Take a look. You, have, you don't see two water jugs. It's just one. So the one that's outside of your awareness, it may as well not exist, because it doesn't. There's just the one. So, in order to go deeper now, keep in mind that our experience is really all we know. We have thoughts, we have stories, images, and they're very precise. And they're very lawful. But they're all maps. It is all mind. It is telling us something. It is learned. It is not the truth. Duality itself is rooted in language. So if we think about our experience, we are just dualizing it instantly. We can't see the wholeness of anything if we're thinking about it. And so we come to practices of meditation to stabilize our attention, to try to make the awareness clear, rather than running all over the place. And it's actually quite easy to do that. It takes a little bit of of, uh, consistency, a little commitment with daily practice of just sitting for a few minutes and just noticing what takes place, noticing how the mind is a mind of its own, and practicing stabilizing awareness so that it knows where attention is. That's really important, and then just resting it on whatever meditation object you're using, just resting. Now, if we are truly this one awareness, we have to actually have a sense of conviction about it. But it doesn't do us any good to believe it we have to actually see in our own experience that this is the case. And one of the reasons that we don't trust awareness as the supreme is that we see it as temporary. It seems temporary to us. It seems like it comes and goes with the body. It's born. It's part of the body-mind in our... Belief. So, we need to investigate that. We really need to see, is that true? And so we look in our experience and we think about all the times that we seem to lose awareness. When might that be? <laughs> like when we're sleeping when we go into deep sleep, the dreams are done and we're just in that deep sleep? Or, how about anesthesia? How many people here have had uh, general anesthesia before? Yeah. So, general anesthesia is very interesting. Because, you know, and I remember, I was just talking about this in our practitioners group last week. I remember when I was in the 8th grade... And I had to have my appendix out. And so I'm in the operating room, and and there are all these smiling faces. (laughs) And they give me this black bag. and It's got a little thing on the end, and they go, here, blow this up. And and then they go, and start counting to ten. So I go, one, and then... I'm waking up <laughs> in my room.
2: <laughs> and all that
0: stuff's gone, the black bag, is everything's. And here I am waking up in my room. And after this experience, I remember to this day, there was a sort of a, oh no, this yeah. is what death is. You just become nothing. You just, you're just gone. And that's because it really looked to me like, because... All these things had happened. All these things had taken place. Just like that. And so, because of that, I had this, this sense about death, that it was like this, this, this kind of going into non-existence. And just, it, was it was scary. But let's look at the experience. Did you, in your general anesthesia, or did I, in my general anesthesia, actually experience a loss of awareness? (laughs) I actually never did. I don't know about you. Take a look in your own experience. If you've had general anesthesia, look at what happened. My experience was, there was not a single break in awareness. There was a change in the contents that was shocking to the mind, but in the experience of awareness itself, uh uh-uh, not at all. When we are in deep sleep, there's no thought. And when there is no thought, there is no time. And that's because time is an imagination. And so here we are blowing up the balloon and then we go into deep sleep and we don't experience the passage of time. But that does not mean that awareness was lost. And I would recommend for you, even if you don't get what I'm saying here now, to bring it into your day-to-day experience and be looking to see if awareness actually goes anywhere. Ever. In your experience. And I mean, don't think about it, because the mind is always going to say, yeah, it it was gone. (laughs) The mind does not know. Ask what knows. Ask awareness. Awareness will show you. But if you're relying on the mind, the mind is temporary, it's conditioned, and it doesn't know. And so, the other reason that we think that awareness is transient is we have it associated with all of our experiences which are transient. Everything is transient. And we naturally just assume that because there's transient, everything's transient, and awareness is transient. And when I say that we have this experience that everything is transient, I don't mean as an idea. I mean before ideas even come into it, we know, we see. Thought arises, it passes away. Everything, your childhood, is gone. Everything is just constantly passing. So, in order to investigate this, we need to be like, as I said before, a newborn babe. And we're going to look at some of the things that we hold to be ourselves and look to see what happens with awareness. One thing that is very helpful to realize when we do this investigation is that you are awareness. You have always been awareness. You will always be awareness. And the thing about consciousness Is that consciousness only sees itself? It never sees anything else. So whatever you see right now is consciousness. Ask yourself are there visual images besides the awareness of them? Are there? and what do you really know about anything that is not here right now in awareness we have all kinds of thoughts come rushing in telling us about yes i know i know my house i know my kitchen my i know my car but those are thoughts arising and passing away and they are arising and passing away in awareness. As awareness. Notice the sense of distance here. And space. This is a quality of awareness. But that sounds kind of crazy because, well, obviously there's a distance. But notice this distance arises as awareness. And there is no distance aside from the knowing of it. There is no distance aside from the knowing of it. The mind says, well, yes, there is so. But take a look. Don't let the mind tell you. Remember, the mind does not know. So, let's examine the awareness of sound. Now, close your eyes, and first listen to the awareness. Listening to that which is listening. is the sound, is the awareness of the sound. The mind says the sound is coming from up here, but in your immediate experience, It is where you are. It's in your awareness. And where is that? Where is your awareness? Notice the mind has an answer for all of these questions. (laughs) It says, well, it's in your head. (laughs) But notice the head. What is it? brain, the head. It's arising in awareness, as awareness. It is the, the, the knowingness of brain, of, of the image of brain is awareness itself. Now, this time I'm going to ring the gong and I want you to follow the attention down into the end of the sound And notice the remaining stillness, which is pure awareness of no sound, the listening itself. Follow the sound to the end. Sound is gone. Is awareness gone? Listen. Awareness is that which hears this voice. The mind says, It's just that guy up there talking. Notice that your direct experience, here and now, especially if your eyes are closed, it's just arising in awareness. Right here, in awareness. The trick of the mind is that it ties these sense fields together. So if you actually are looking up here when I ring the gong, thought comes in and goes, yeah, you rang the gong, and yeah, now I hear the gong, and it's coming from up there. Even though my true experience is that it's actually happening in awareness. In fact, seeing the gong being rung is arising in awareness as well. But we default back to the mind, because that's what we're used to doing. Realize, too, this is deeply, deeply conditioned. But what we're doing is we're breaking through the crust of this conditioning to see into the nature of what's actually here, to actually recognize in your own immediate experience what is going on. And when we're done with this, you see, we can bring our conventional thing back in. It's fine. The stories, all of it, it's wonderful. When we know what it is, it becomes quite beautiful. So the stillness that we hear when the gong is done, this stillness is here all the time. Awareness is here all the time. This awareness is unborn and undying. It has nothing to do with a person. But in fact, it is the true referent to the I thought. When you think me, it really refers to this naked awareness. But we have heaped on top of it a whole lot of stories that tell us something else. And that's why there is so much suffering. It is just this one timeless awareness. We think time is real because we think all the time. But when we actually settle the mind, and, you know, if we like on a retreat sometimes, we'll, we'll go on read these extended retreats, and we'll keep watching thought arise and pass away. After a while, thought gets tired of bothering because we're not entertaining it, and it just stops all by itself. You can never make it stop. If you try to make thought stop, you're going to have a whole lot more thoughts. It's a disaster. But if you just allow it to exhaust itself without the hidden agenda that I'm going to get rid of my thoughts by doing this, then the thought will just get tired and it relaxes. And in that relaxation, timelessness is discovered. And then when movement begins to happen again, we begin to notice. It's just one thought arising now and then another thought arising now, but the mind puts them in relation to one another and so we have, oh yeah, I just had this one and that one was before, so... We have time. Whenever we feel a sense of wanting something, wanting anything to be different than it is, we are moving into another time. We're creating time. and So that's the process in which we live. We live as a, as a story of I that has to be continually created moment by moment. It never actually comes into being. It is all the play of this Naked awareness. And so the purpose of these investigations is simply to recognize the process. In the words of Meister Eckhart, in relation to time, he talks about now. He says, That now in which God made the first man and the now in which the last man will have his end, and the now in which I am speaking, they are all the same in God. And there is not more than this one now. So look in your own experience and see if you can recognize when we listen to the gong and we hear the sound dies away into stillness. That stillness. timeless. No time. And then phenomena begin to arise. And it gives the impression. But when we start to notice that everything is awareness, then that becomes more obvious. And even though time can arise, in the recognition that it is all The one awareness time arises perfectly well, and it's not a problem because it isn't deluding, it is useful. Just like the conventional beliefs, all conventional beliefs have their purpose, they function. So, close your eyes and notice the sensations of what we call the body. Now, with the eyes closed, sensations arise as these nondescript movements of awareness. The mind, of course, wants to tell us what it is. But if we look, we see they have no shape. There's no edge to them. And if we look close, see that they are constantly coming into being and passing away. Always new. And where are they? They're here. They're just here. and they're now just now here and now notice this they arise and pass as the knowingness of awareness itself
2: open your eyes
0: and take your finger like this and feel the sensation and the sound. Notice, we've got two things going on here. The mind goes, no, no, there's just the one. We snap our fingers. But if you listen, it's a sound. And there's also the sensations. And notice when they stop, the still open, spacious awareness. Remain. Ever present. Now bring your attention to perceptions of thoughts. Thoughts arising. This is what tells us stuff all day long. And notice, it's incredibly transient. These things are passing away constantly. They tell us stuff and we believe it. They are conditioned. They have a great power, and they have this power because we give it to them. We allow them to be something that they are not. And again, there is nothing wrong with thought. It's just that we take them to be real in themselves, and what they tell us is real. We believe that we are having thoughts, but the thoughts arise by themselves. We discover this early on when we start to practice meditation. We sit, we want to be with our breathing, and it's out here in thought. We bring our attention back, it's back in thought. And it does it, it'll do it a hundred times in five minutes. We're not willing them, they're happening by themselves. Notice that there is no thought aside from the awareness of them. They arise, they pass away, and this still awareness is ever-present. So, another question for you is, how do we really know that awareness do you know you're aware is it because you think you're aware that you're that you can say this that it's an idea you're having or is it something much more immediate than any idea more immediate than any feeling notice this naked awareness is ever-present. In fact, you may not know what anything in the world is, nor what you are, but you are aware that something is here. Awareness itself. Awareness of itself. In this recognition we come to the presence of awareness. We realize we are present through the awareness that we are present. With this little investigation we've just done, we are actually given everything we need to know in order to release our beliefs and our stories, We are this awareness. In our immediate experience, we are this awareness. What is very helpful to realize is that whatever we believe is the world and a body-mind I'll look in your own experience. We never actually experience that. We experience the experience of these things. But we never actually experience a thing apart from awareness itself. Despite the stories of the mind, no thing is. So here's a little poem by Wendell Berry to close with here. And He says, We come at last to the dark and enter in. We are given bodies newly made out of their absence. Out of their absence from one another in the light of the ordinary day. We come to the space between ourselves, the narrow doorway, and we pass through into the land of the wholly loved. It is wholly loved because through the recognition of awareness, we discover it is all you. There is nothing apart from you. You will never experience anything That is not you, and this is love. Are there any comments or questions? Not. <laughs> <Is> everybody awake? <laughs> yes. Well, you kind of, um,
3: I guess, answered a question that I have thought a lot about and did not understand, which of course is normal for, you know, for this whatever I am. Um, and it, when I uh, was a the Christian, the first lesson I learned in the church, Catholic Church, was that God was. Um, Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, omni this, omni everything. And then uh, he's also perfect. God doesn't, you know, God is perfect. And God's will be done and all that. So you said that creation only, I mean, consciousness only creates what it wants. So it is wanted. And the, I, I read so much about consciousness forgetting. That's where, I read, where, where we're at the human being. We, they've forgotten. Consciousness has forgot. And I'm thinking, that would not make it perfect. How could consciousness forget? And if you're saying that if consciousness created it, consciousness wanted it. So then it, it led me to evolution. Okay, we're not, this civilization, if you, if there is such a thing as the, I begin to doubt whether anything like, which you say, is very doubtful to know that anything you hear or read even is accurately, really true, and that changes, as we know in medicine, for sure, that, okay, are we on some kind of a... Consciousness wants us to go through this period of the veil and the film and, in order to somehow arrive. Um, uh, as God was a vengeful God that was believed for a long time, and then he became kind of a loving God. Jesus brought, you know, love. And, and so is that a period of where we are possibly as a human entity that consciousness created and wanted it this way.
0: There are lots of... Um, that there's
3: going to be, we're eventually going to reach a point where we will be less, have less of a film or the veil will be thinner or whatever, maybe not at all after a
0: while. There are lots of stories. That arise. I know it's a story, okay. but
3: that's all I have with me right now. No, I don't of course. Have a,
0: well, a, no, I'm no. not
3: enlightened, so it's, a, it's a, it can only be a story.
0: Actually the stories are not all you have. You have something much more real than stories. Stories arise being
3: aware of it is not Okay.
0: So what I'm what I recommend for you is to recognize that that sense of consternation, that sense of I just don't get this. Yes. That wants to be that, you see, that that arising that sense of oh man That wants to be seen and known as it truly is. It wants to be recognized. So now, to just say, oh, it's just consciousness, that's not going to help you. You actually need to examine this emotion. What is driving this? Why is it that the mind is not satisfied? What is it that is deluding the mind?
3: So why. You just said it.
0: Well, yes. So you want to go in your naked experience and look. What is here? What is this that I want? What is it that is that is making me feel that I need something other than this moment? So that is the that is the path. That in itself is the path. Now, now let's look I'm at your question.
3: Twelve years now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, is it?
3: Well, it's But I've been trying to do. It
0: seems like 12 years, but how long has it really been? Well, there's no (laughs) time. Where is that time? There's no time. I
3: don't realize that because I'm still in the time period. Actually,
0: (laughs) a little secret about all this is that what we're talking about here today is the most simple thing. The mind makes everything so complicated. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is the practice itself is just... To examine your moment to moment experience, I'm waiting for the day when you come in here and go, Yes, I get it, yes. I'll be, I'll be
3: the walker. And
0: <laughs> but the point is that, you know, there are, these are beautiful metaphors that you bring up about, you know, the fall, fall of humanity. Our original
3: of like, sin, our fault. Original sin,
0: yes, it was our fault. That's right. Yeah. That's just a bunch of stories. And, and you know, The point is, ignorance is just, it's very innocent. I mean, people do the most horrible things, but if you strip out all of that layers and layers of grasping and pushing away, all those beliefs, and down underneath all of that, there's just sweetness. There's nothing wrong there. They just misunderstand their experience. And that is what we're looking into here. We want to actually see our true experience. But it isn't an idea. It isn't something to understand. It's something to recognize directly. You recognize what is your immediate experience right now. The mind floods itself with thought. But if you just notice, what was here before all the thought came in? What is this? What is this? It's speaking. It's showing you. It's telling you right now. Not through these words. This is just a—it's you know, a bunch of words. But when you listen to your experience, not your fault. Just listening. Consciousness it informs itself. Consciousness doesn't truly make an error. Consciousness loves to know itself in all of its ways and because of that, whatever arises in consciousness it's not something it's not something that it wouldn't want otherwise it wouldn't have come into being it wouldn't have arisen
2: everything
0: and you know this the mind has a tough time with this because there's horrible things happening but at the core of it all and it, it's hard to talk about this because. It seems to uh, it seems trite in a way to bring some of these things up. I mean, when I talk about them, I'm... these things that are arising—it's all just consciousness, ultimately. It is all con- and so. If you if you allow yourself just to be the consciousness, just put your you know get in consciousness's shoes and look at <laughs> look at how it is. So so it's all just the one consciousness and it loves to express itself. So, imaginations arise, dream characters. When you're dreaming at night, it's a great example. You go to bed at night, you have this wonderful dream, you meet all these people. Have you had a dream like this before? You meet people in your dream, you know, it's like, oh, I'm happy to meet you. You no, don't know who they are. You know, well, in the dream you do, you're meeting them, you're getting to know them, you're going places, there's a sky, there's, there's vistas, you're looking out. It's, it's all very real, you know? You take a shower, it's like you're wet, you know? And then, you wake up from the dream, and you realize all of this happened in consciousness. It was just in the dream. It, where was it? Well, it was nowhere. It was just in consciousness. And so then you go, huh. But the whole time, you're not recognizing that your experience right now is just that. It's all arising in consciousness. And when you become lucid in the dream, if you have a moment where you're really lucid in the dream, and I mean lucid in that you're not just the character, you are the recognition. It is all just happening in you. Something happens you recognize it's all just consciousness. It could be nothing else, just like in the dream. So bring that as a metaphor into your practice and see, when you're really caught up, just consider, wow, what if this happened to me in a dream? How would that feel? It would feel very real. Have you ever noticed it in dreams? Oh, yeah. They are real. You know it is real when you're dreaming. It's only when you wake up that it's not real. Oh, it was just a dream. This is the same way. You had your hand up first back there. Yeah. That'll be you. Yes. Barb. There's so many barbs here, I can't say barb. Everybody put up their hand. I had a
2: comment that was rising in me right after your talk. And I was just struck dumb and couldn't even raise my hand. And the comment was, wow, with little letters, very quiet little letters. And then after then, I began with the discussion then. And then another wow with big letters arose. And it's sort of like I saw it as um, I was totally there during your talk. It was just like awareness, and it was wonderful. But it but it had no emotion. It was just awareness. And then when you all when you started talking and everything, my brain clicked in. And it's, it's very interesting for me to be aware of my awareness and then to be aware of my awareness with my brain working yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, on the same information. But it wasn't information before. And this is, this is an interesting thing because the, the brain, the thoughts, come in and it's very useful to see how it captivates our experience. How it, sh- it puts in a shade of something different. And then we start to go in that we're so, as I said before, deeply conditioned to buy thought. Through some practice, however, we come to recognize that thought is just thought. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't own you. As a matter of fact, it's just arising and passing away. And the more you really see that, the more you can relax. And so it doesn't have the impact that it did before. You just start realizing, oh. Yeah. and it's whatever thought it is it's just the knowingness of awareness itself it has nothing to do with you really. the story of I it has nothing to do with the story of I and the story of I starts to disintegrate when we, when we see it in that way it's, it's irrelevant it becomes a kind of a caricature to us and we see it's arising and passing all day long it doesn't actually become any of the things that it pretends to be So it's just this thing. And so when the mind comes in and colors experience, just recognize right in that moment, this is all, even the coloration itself is all just the naked knowingness of consciousness itself. Right there. Now, when I say that, I I also want to encourage people, though, if you have emotions that arise that are not just superficial, that that have some depth to them, and at first... Even the superficial ones probably have some depth. And I recommend that you investigate them, allowing them to be present. Like if it's something you don't like, allow it to be there just as it is. And in, in doing that, it will show itself to you. But as long as we're turning and running from it, we make it real. Whenever we turn away from anything in our experience, denial basically reifies whatever it is that we're turning away from. <clears throat> so, yeah. Thank you for that comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ellie, you had a uh,
2: It's just probably a matter of semantic, but you said that when we're in thought, we're still in awareness. We still have awareness. But to me, like, it just seemed like, okay, when I'm in a chain of that, which I have a lot of trouble with, chains of thought, then you kind of, you know, you're away somewhere. And it seems like I'm not aware. It seems like if I became aware, then I would know I was thinking.
0: Yes. (laughs) And you made a very good point. A very good point. This is the thing about thought, and I, I did mention in here that thought is what keeps us deluded. And so if you begin to run chains of thought, you want to recognize that's what's happening. Just immediately. And, and at the point of that recognition, notice the last thought. Look right at it and notice. It is just thought. Let it go. And if you need to, just come back to your sensations of breathing and rest there. And then, then you can open yourself back up again to the world and look at things. Just look in your naked experience. Thought will come in and start telling you stuff. Notice the thought as thought. And it will it will liberate itself. It'll be gone. It won't it won't hold you because you recognize then that it's just imagination. It doesn't it doesn't have anything real to offer. And and really it's the more we see that, the less power thought has. And so after a while, they just don't chain up so much anymore. They just you know But I mean don't... when you're in the chain, are you aware? That's the problem. You're not. You become <laughs> you you create the now, now, look, the other side of this is that consciousness is totally present. So you just are not knowingly aware of it. So, so essentially, this is the distinction to make. You are not knowingly aware of consciousness, but consciousness is. It's totally present, and it recognizes all of this stuff. Seems like a belief. Well, it is, but you see, we use beliefs, we use teachings, to point back to this, to use it in your direct experience. So everything that I said today was a story. I was using a lot of words. Words are there to point you back into your experience. So you take, oh, you know, you you have chains of thought and you recognize and you ask me this question and I'm telling you that even though there are chains of thoughts there, it is just naked consciousness, but you need to discover that. So what you do then is you work with thought and you keep looking at thought, recognize how you get deluded when you're in thought. Because you see, that's how, (laughs) that's how all of our delusion, the whole duality thing comes about. It's because we believe the story. So that's a great question though.
1: Yes? Thank you, Todd, for your talk. Really appreciate the teaching. Um, I would like to... To go back into um, time and the experience of time, and you know, from my own personal perspective. And the fact of the matter is, I have very little concept of time, I live that way almost every day, so I have to do little things like set my calendar. You know, and I'm, I'm learning to do that because it doesn't serve me well in some ways, but. Um, it's really interesting, because for me, a year can be like a second you know um, my life is like from the time I was born is like now um, i I have had experiences, and I feel really safe talking about this here. I wouldn't talk about it with just anyone, but um One of my experiences is, and I could use driving and sitting at a stoplight as an example, where I'm driving, I seem to be, you know, conscious of driving, and I'm sitting, and then waiting at a stop. It's like there is no time, and I have a moment where there's no thought, and then my then my mind will. You know, I can almost feel it. You know, like the mind comes back and starts thinking. And the first thing I think, how long have I been sitting here? And, um, you know, and, and I have no idea. It's like it could be just eternity or it can be just a Michael Nanosecond. second. You know, I, I don't, you know, I really have no idea. But I want, I guess if I were to create a question out of that, what it would be is in that very brief moment, am I having a glimpse into consciousness and awareness?
0: You are always going consciousness, conscious. Even when you're in the midst of thought, how could it be otherwise? Yeah. Everything that arises is a manifestation of life. Mm-hmm. So, in your case, these moments, no the thought, you are really close. You notice that thought comes in... To let you know that it's time to go, you know, the thoughts start kicking in, and then it's like, oh yeah, the light, and you're going. And you notice that these things are conditioned to play. You, you've learned, you know, it's like it's like learning to shift, you know, do a stick shift. You know, it, it's like you learn how to do it. So, you know, whenever you get in your car and you're driving a stick shift, you don't even really think about shifting the gears. It just happens. Well, thoughts are kind of the same way. They just happen by themselves. And if you don't put a lot of credence into your thoughts, if they don't really have much meaning to you, they just stop showing up so much. And that is actually, that's pretty much, I have that experience a lot. It's very common. Although, you know, when I used to work, I I had this busy job working in in a hospital, and and. There was incredible, it was like nonstop. Once I walked into, into the place, for the whole time I was there, it was nonstop stop thinking, 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 and of course, it was necessary to think, because that's what the job does, and I'm getting paid for. And so the thought is, starts, but it's not like I had to do anything. It's, it's like it takes care of itself, and that's what, that's what we discover, is thought has its relevant place. It's it's relevant within the context of experience, and when there is no context that's demanding it, it doesn't need to be there. If it is there, then that's something to investigate. What is it? What is it looking for? What does it want? And um, you know,
1: and that's how I'm beginning to understand thought
0: that it's it can be quite useful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It is very useful. In its place, it is very useful. Thank you very much. Are oh, you welcome? And thank you for your for your statement. Anybody else have anything you'd like to add? Wesley. Um, you ended with a statement something like, uh, uh, "Everything is you." Yes. In, this part, in the context of awareness. Yes. And I, I think I've experienced that a little bit, and it seems like when I am quiet enough to see that, then I I kind of bob up and down. And then I see I begin to differentiate, you know. I so, say, "Oh, that's the chair, that's the floor," and then if I let go of those labels, then
2: I maybe sink down a little bit. And, but the question is, who's the me there? Because the because when everything is
0: one, then the me. Really is just another part of the whole tapestry. The me is that which knows beyond. <clears throat> it's not the egoic me. It's not. It's in, you discover that. You discover that um, there's just the knowing, and you really, you know as you go along, you discover more and more that the knowing is the true referent. I mentioned this earlier. It's the true referent of the iPhone the knowing itself. And so when we say I, and we do it all the time, what we're really referring to is this, but we don't know that because we have all of this, uh, all of this baggage piled on top of it. This, it's, it's I'm my name, I'm my occupation, I'm how I feel right now, I'm my thoughts. But when we see that all of those are arising and passing away, and we discover that they are not who we are, then our, our identity shifts to this awareness itself. And when that happens, everything is awareness. There is nothing that is not awareness. It's just obvious. And so the whole purpose of the path is to look into exactly what you said, to be looking, who is this me? I mean, I mean, really, who is this me? And the more we investigate that, the more we see that even when, when you know we, we really get it, oh it's all awareness, and then images of chairs and people start showing up rather than going succumbing to that to recognize that image is arising where it's aware it's, it's consciousness itself it's awareness that person oh. And so it's not, we don't slide then down into delusion again. We use delusion to bring us back to the truth. So delusion then becomes our greatest assistant in this process. Our suffering keeps bringing us back to seeing the truth. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, so I think I probably... Rattled on long enough here. You know? Can I rattle on for just a minute? Oh, oh long yeah, long now Barb has something. But before <laughs> before we close here, till we meet again, peace to you all. And Barb has something. She'd <laughs> like to share. Yes, thank
1: you.